welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Hey, River Valley. I am so excited about our summer series. It's called Starlight. And as you can see, I'm out in the middle of the field. I'm just, I had to get away from the city. I had to get away from the noise. You know, you realize that there can be light noise and there can be that uh, inability to see what's all around you. And so you have to get away when you want to look at the stars. And uh, in this series, I hope you'll have time to get away. I hope maybe you're going camping. Maybe you'll get away to the lake. You'll go to the cabin. Maybe you'll just go out to the backyard. Maybe that's where you live. And you have the opportunity to just look up and be inspired. Here's the thing. In this series, we're going to look at the heavens. We're, we're going to look at the stars. We're going to realize that God is big and we're small. And when you look up at the stars, nobody looks up at the stars and says, I'm amazing. They look up at the stars. They look up at the heavens and they say, God, you're amazing. You're, you're awesome. It takes your breath away. In this series, we're going to look at the fact that uh, God is his, he's so much higher than us. It says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, like so are his thoughts higher than ours. We're going to look at the fact that we can be inspired by the stars. We can have awe of them, but we shouldn't get direction from them. The Bible tells us very clearly that God will lead and guide us. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide us, that we shouldn't look at the stars. And I'm afraid that too many Christians dabble in that in, in astrology and they get direction from a horoscope or something like that. We're going to look at that and see how God says, no, don't do that. We're going to look at how God makes promises with the stars. In Genesis 15, God is promising Abraham. He's saying, go outside, get outside your tent, look up at the stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. We are part of that promise. If we follow Jesus, we're part of Abraham's promise all the way back to Genesis 15. Again, God using his creation as an illustration. I just want you to capture this in this series and realize that God has so much more for you. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. And when you go outside, see his glory. Spend time praising him. I know it may seem weird to some, but maybe go outside a remote place. Just take in creation, take in the stars, spend time praying, spend time worshiping and declare his glory. Stars are making noise right now. And I don't know what they're saying, but you know what? I believe they're declaring the glory of God. So in this series, be inspired. Look at starlight, look at the heavens, and let's all just, again, God big, us small. Now this weekend, your campus pastors or one of the members of the teaching team is actually kicking off this series. I want you to lean into this sermon. I want you to lean into this and just catch it, you know, just catch the awe of it and say, God, speak to me. Let the stars inspire me of how great you are and how amazing you are. God big, we're small, and the heavens declare his glory. I just want to even start by echoing what Pastor Rob just said in that video. Get outside. 
Find time to, to get outside and just look up and, and see how amazing the, the universe that we get to live in uh, really, really is. I know growing up, I grew up in, in small town Wisconsin. And uh, I'll, let you, I'll make you aware of this. Anyone who says they grew up in a small town, maybe not anyone, I would say maybe 70% didn't actually grow up in a small town. They're lying to you. They grew up outside of a small town. And, but if they told you where that was, you wouldn't know. So they say small town. And that was my story. I grew up six miles south of said small town uh, in, in Wisconsin. But I grew up on a lake. I grew up uh, out, out in the country. And, and um, it was amazing because I remember countless nights where, where I would just take the boat out. And me and some friends sometimes. And we'd take the boat out and we'd turn off the engine. We'd turn off all the lights and we'd just stare at the sky. And it was absolutely amazing when you get out there and you could, you could see everything that's there. They seem like they're so bright. They seem like they're, they're, they're not even that far away, even in that moment. And we'd just sit there and look, look for constellations and then look for shooting stars. And you could pick out the differences between uh, satellites and, and, and uh, airplanes and watch them go across the sky. And it was amazing to just do that. And then I remember uh, coming to college. I went to North Central University, downtown Minneapolis, and it was wonderful. Love the city, love uh, what, being, being there. And I remember coming home, though, in the winter during school breaks. And you get accustomed to the city and you get accustomed to all the lights. And then all of a sudden you get out of the car at night when you get home and you're like, it is so bright here right now. Like it's the middle of the night, but yet the stars seem to light everything up and you just have that, that moment where it all comes back to you and you start to realize how amazing it is. And I encourage you at some point this summer, just take time, even if it's just to drive out into the country and, uh, and, and look up and see all that, be, be amazed by all that God has created for us today. Today, we're gonna to start in Jeremiah chapter 32. So you can start to, to turn there in your Bibles or get there in, in the app in your phone or whatever it may be. We're gonna start in Jeremiah chapter 32. But as you get there, I'll give you a little bit of background on Jeremiah. Jeremiah uh, is, is a, a prophet in the Old Testament. And I won't say that he created the illustrated message because that I'm not sure of, but I do know this, he mastered it. Uh, he was the master of the illustrated message. God would give him things to say to Israel or to Jerusalem. And instead of just delivering the message, he would always, he'd, he'd give some type of an illustration to be able to let them understand it more. Instead of just the words, he would, he would almost act it out. I would say this, that, that some of our series, a longer series here at River Valley would last six weeks. He once had a series last for three years. And his illustration was that he was walking around for those three years barefoot and naked. So just so you're aware, it's biblical. You can look that one up. It's in Jeremiah. There was another one that, that, that he did where he wore a yoke around his neck and he was talking about the bondage that was there and, and he wouldn't just deliver the message, but there was always this, this illustration that came along with it. And uh, Jeremiah chapter 32 is no different. What we find here in, in this chapter is before we get to the verse that's going to that's gonna be our context for, for today, um, we realize that, that he purchases this field at the beginning of, of Jeremiah chapter 32. Here's where this is, is interesting, is in the nation of Israel, in this season and time, it would not make sense for you to buy a field. You see, to, to set the table, they're in between uh, like battle zones, if you will. Babylon and Egypt, are, are their, their empires, their kingdoms are butting up against each other. And the line where they start to hit each other is, is Israel. 
So they're constantly getting taken over, uh, but it's not that their land is getting taken from them, it's that their land is getting taken from one or the other. Either Egypt would rise up and take it over from Babylon, or Babylon would come back and take it over from Egypt. So, so for you to purchase land in a, in a season like this would not make sense because it's not going to be yours in all likelihood tomorrow. So why would he do this? And yet in the middle of this chapter, in, cha- in verse 17, which is where we're going to land on our, on, our, on our verse today, our text today, he says this, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And I know so many times we've, we've heard this verse, maybe we've even quoted it, especially that last part, nothing is too hard for you. We understand that, we believe that. But in the context of, of what he's saying here in this current situation, is this is an illustrated message to the people of Jerusalem, saying even though right now seems bleak, even though the times seem bleak right now, there will be a time once again where we will be able to purchase land, we'll be able to sell land, we'll be able to have interactions, that God will give us this land back, even though in the midst of it all right now, it seems bleak that God's hope and his promise is still there for us. And today, I just even, even to start off today, I want, I want you to know that there's hope. If you feel like you're in a place where you're between a rock and a hard place, I don't know what your Babylon and Egypt may be, but you, you, you think you're between two places where, where the situation looks bleak, know that God still has a promise for your life. And one of the most amazing things that I saw in this right off the bat is because of this illustrated message, Jeremiah isn't just talking about it. He steps out in faith. He steps out and says, no, 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 I'm going to purchase a piece of property. I'm going to purchase land. And yes, it's part of a sermon illustration in this moment, But at the same time, there's an action step to this. He could have just said, don't worry, it's all going to be good. Yes, we're going to get taken over. He's the one actually earlier in Jeremiah who's prophesying about how they are going to get taken over. But yet at this point, he says, it's not just that he's going to come back, but I'm going to take a step of faith. And I hope that even today, if, if you're in the midst of something, if, if something is happening in your life and maybe you're, you're in, in between a rock and a hard place, know that there's still hope. And know that part of that faith isn't just saying, I know that God's in control, but it's taking the step of faith that God has called you to do. It's stepping out and going after what God has done. It's not just believing it. It's not just talking about it, but it's walking in the direction of the promise that God has for your life. And I love that Jeremiah didn't just talk about it. He walked it. He stepped out and said it. And yet he had this faith in in the limited knowledge that, that he even had. He talked about the heavens and the earth. He says, God, you created the heavens and the earth. He understood that, he said, with your outstretched arm. Because he, he would have understood the, the creation story that we find in Genesis. But it's interesting to me that he had this amount of faith, even with the limited knowledge of what he was talking about that was there. You see, he said the heavens, and he's, they, they would look up and they would see the, the stars in the sky, the same stars that, that many of us would see today. And, and he said, wow, this must be the heavens. God, you created all of this. But he didn't even understand all that he was looking at. You see, in this time, it would have been pretty common knowledge that they all thought that the stars were about one to two miles up in the sky. It was like this canopy that God placed there for us to look at. And it was like, oh, this is, this is pretty. You know, this is, this is what we can have. It's almost like if, if you have children and you place those little glow-in-the-dark star stickers on their ceiling. Like that's, that's what they all thought that God had done for them. Like, oh, thanks. It's th- this or a nightlight. So you gave us that. Thank you. Um, it's wonderful. But now knowing what we know, how much more powerful is this statement? Knowing that God created the heavens and the earth with his outstretched arm, 
knowing what we know now, how much more powerful is this statement? You see, because he thought that, that everything revolved around the earth. Like in this day and age with the technology that they had, they were like, the earth, we are the center of the universe. That's, that's, that's what we are. And the rest of this is just a couple of miles out, but it's set there for us. What we know now um, actually looks a little bit more like this. And we're going to have some pictures on the screens. I thought about using the side TV, but I don't think you could even see the size of some of the things we're going to see. With that, so we're going to throw it on the screens for you. Um, we realize that, that we are not even the biggest planet in our solar system. You see the earth, and many of you have probably seen this diagram before where, where we're that third one in from the sun and, and Jupiter and Saturn are, are so much larger than us. And, and we're not, it's not that it's revolving around us, but we're actually all revolving around the sun. And many of us have either created this in a science class at some point growing up or have helped our children do it. So, so we're, we're aware of that. But the sun that we see there is even, even larger than, than what, what he would have imagined. You see, us next to the sun in the next one is, is absolutely, absolutely crazy. You can fit one million earths into the size of the sun. So now you've got Jeremiah saying, saying you created the heavens and the earth with your outstretched arm. And he thinks that the sun is placed there and it's, it's just kind of shining down on us. And it's like, oh, thank you for there. In all reality, it's so much greater than what he can even imagine. Think of how large the sun is. I, I, I thought that our earth was big until I started seeing these diagrams. I just got back from a global team to our Swaziland campus. And I remember flying from Atlanta to Johannesburg and being on an airplane for 16 hours. And I thought the earth is way too big. I feel like <laughs> God, you could have put this a little bit closer for my comfort. And yet to think how much greater even the sun is than the earth you could fit a million earths and it doesn't even stop there because the sun isn't even the largest star that we know of. As a matter of fact, the sun is, is one of the smaller stars that, that we can see in, in, in this vast that we've, universe that we've found. In the next one, you can see some of the other stars that we've seen that we have found that are out there. I'm not even going to try and pronounce all of these other than the pistol star. I got that one. <laughs> but the, that, that third one after us in uh, Rigel, you can fit a million suns inside of Rigel. Like put that in context of that picture as, as, as Jeremiah is looking up at the stars, he's saying, you've created all of this and yet he doesn't even understand all that he's looked at. I feel like when I was, I was going through all of these, these pictures and I'm, I'm doing study throughout the course of this week and I'm watching videos of how vast everything is that they're trying to figure out and they're talking about light years and billions of light years and all of this stuff. And I had to restart one eight minute video like four different times. And there was a shot of espresso in between all of that because I couldn't like things were glazing over. So to give you a quick summary of, of our, the vast expanse of what God created um, here, I've got this one for you. You are here. Um, that's pretty much what is happening with our lives. I started to feel a little bit, and some of you who are parents are going to get this reference. I started to feel like my life is Horton Hears a Who, and I'm the mayor of this little village on a speck on a plant, and it's so much greater than, than I could ever imagine. But I would, say, I, would, I would say this, even in this moment, though, if, if your faith was low with what your eye can see, I pray that your faith would continue to, to grow to an undeniable level once you start to look through modern telescopes. If your faith was low, just kind of looking up saying, well, God, you're, you're somewhere out there. When you start to realize how big our God really is, let your faith grow to that size. Let your, let your faith 
continue to, 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 to grow to the level of our God to the point where we can't even find the end of his creation. Therefore, you'll never find the end of what our faith should be. That's why there's nothing that is too difficult for him. And that's just the heavens. Jeremiah said the heavens and the earth. Jeremiah, again, I don't know how far he traveled in his life, but I know this, as he's talking about you've created the heavens and the earth, he hadn't even seen most of the earth. He'd never seen some of the amazing waterfalls in, in South America and in Africa. He'd never seen some of the, some of the amazing mountain ranges that, that stretch across our earth. He'd never stood at the edge of the Grand Canyon and just been in awe of how big God really is. But here's what he understood. He understood that God had created it all. And because he created the heavens and the earth, that there's nothing that is too difficult for him. There's nothing that is too hard for him. What he understood was Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 through 19. And you can read that um, where, where it talks about God created the, the sun, the moon, and all the stars. But it's not just that he created it. It's that he spoke it into existence out of nothing. Think of that for a moment. It's, it's not like he had to sit in his shop for a while and then like just toil over this, this moment for a while. He spoke it into existence and he said, let there be light. Let there be, a, let's place the sun and the moon in the sky. Let's, let's just speak into existence out of absolutely nothing, this vast universe that, that we're still exploring. How much more can God do with your life? If he can do that out of nothing, if he can create all of this that's absolutely amazing and, and our, our mind can't even fathom how far that it goes, how much more could he do with the resources and the talents and the abilities that he's placed inside of your life? How much more could he do that's going on? I think so often we as humans, we get into this rut where we don't think we bring anything to the table. We think that, that there's, there's nothing that we could do. There's nothing that God could do through us. But yet when we stop for a moment and we start to realize that all that God created out of absolutely nothing, we know that nothing is too hard for our God. The transition in all of this, the transition piece, I actually think we find from Jesus. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 9, he's, he's speaking to his disciples. They said, they said, Father, teach us how to pray. And he says what we now know, so many of us know as the Lord's Prayer. And he says to them, when you pray, pray like this. Start with our Father in heaven. And the contrast of those two words, we've just talked about the heaven part of it. It talks about the, the amazing transcendence of God. He's so much bigger than we are. There's, there's, he's so much greater than we could ever think or imagine. But yet he starts with our father. And the word that he even uses there, and this is going to be a little bit of a recap for those of you who have been through Alpha. And for those of you who haven't been through Alpha, you should definitely go through Alpha. We talk in depth about this. We're starting another one in September. Um, but the word that, we, that he uses there in the original context is the word Abba. We don't have a, a, an English word that even translates, but it's, it's this respectful adult way to say the word daddy. Like think of, think of if you're a parent, the, the, the emotion that you feel when, when you hear daddy. I know I have a three-year-old little girl. And when she walks into my room in the morning and her eyes are still all puffy from sleeping and she says, daddy, it's whatever the next line is, whatever the question is, my answer is yes. Like it's whatever you want. Like that moment where you just absolutely melt when you hear it. It's, it's that level of intimacy, but yet it's a respectful way where you can say it's, 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 it's deeper than just saying dad or father. 
So there's a, there's a daddy moment to it. So he says, she says, daddy in heaven. And the best way that I can even, even try and explain uh, and put it into context is uh, a story about my own, my own father. Um, I love my dad. Uh, my dad is uh, the superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Wisconsin and Northern Michigan District. So that's a really long title to say this. He's actually over all of the Assemblies of God churches in the state of Wisconsin and the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Um, so my dad is kind of a big deal. I didn't realize that growing up, uh, but here's how you, would, how you would get on my dad's calendar. This is how you would have a meeting with my father. You would have to call the district office and a receptionist would answer. And she would say, how are you doing? Where can I direct your call? Something of that, of that lines. And you'd say, I'd like to speak with Pastor Levy. And she would then uh, transition your call over to my dad's assistant. And my dad's assistant would get on the phone with you. He would look through my dad, or she would look through my dad's uh, calendar. My dad's extremely busy. There's meetings like crazy all over the state. Um, so it's probably going to be a couple of months out, but says, you know what, there's, there's this time out here. If you can make that and you'd find something that works. So you'd have to wait until it was time for you to do that. Then you would walk into the district office. You'd come to that first receptionist and say, hey, I'm here to see Pastor Levy. She would then send you into uh, his assistant's office outside of his. You would wait there until he was ready and then he would welcome you into his office. That would be the process for you to see my dad. You want to know what happens when I want to see my dad? I walk into his office because he's my dad. That's the power that we have with our father in heaven. Yes, he's all powerful. Yes, he created the universe. Yes, he's, he's way bigger than we could ever imagine. He's got more power than we could ever imagine. But yet we have the amazing privilege to call him daddy. And I know that there's times growing up in my life where I started to realize that, that my dad was kind of a big deal. And there was a phrase that came out of my mouth that I'm not really proud of, but usually it would, it would happen in a moment like this. My dad would be speaking at someone's church. Uh, we'd be at one of the churches in the district, and um, I would be that kid that always knew there was a stash of communion crackers and grape juice somewhere. And I would find it, and someone would say, hey, kid, you're not supposed to be in here. And I would turn, and here's the phrase. It would say, do you know who my dad is? And first of all, let me apologize to everyone that works in Go Kids because I have heard that my son has used it here and I'm sorry. <laughs> we have talked about it. So while we know that that's not acceptable here in earth, I feel like that there's times that when we understand the power of our heavenly father, we need to walk with a little bit more confidence because of who our dad is. When someone sits across the, the desk from us and a doctor says, hey, I looked at all the readings and, and your outlook looks bleak, uh, I feel like we need to have a little bit more confidence and say, do you know who my dad is? When, when, when there's an accountant or a banker that sits across and says, hey, I've, I've looked at all of your accounts and, and it looks like the world is falling down, to be able to look across and say, excuse me, do you know who my dad is? To be able to walk in a little bit more faith because the dad, the father that, that created the heavens and the earth with his outstretched arm, there is nothing that is too difficult for him. Therefore, our faith can match the level of our God. We have to walk in a faith and a confidence that says, do you know who my dad is? Do you understand the access to the power that I have because I'm a child of God? It's the awesomeness in the midst of all of this. There's an awareness uh, that, that God has that we find in Psalm chapter eight, verses three through four, that says, when I consider your heavens, 
the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. When you, when you think about even the, the, the verbiage that's used there, that, that you're mindful of me. Not just aware, but it's different to be aware and it's, than, than it is to be mindful. When you're aware of something, it's like, oh, that's over in the corner. I know that it's over there. When you're mindful of it, it's like, hey, I know that it's here. I understand its needs. I, under, I understand what's going on. Therefore, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do that. That's what God is for us. The God that created the universe is still mindful of us. One fun stat for you. The Hubble telescope has looked 13.4 billion light years out into space. Cannot find the end of it. All of the, the amazingness that is there, 13.4 billion. Yet God still knows the number of hairs on your head. Just let that sink in for a moment of how amazing and awesome our God is. I think it's hard to imagine that in the midst of, of this vast expanse, in the middle of, of this, this, this whole thing that, that we are in, are in, the God of the universe that created all of it still cares passionately and personally about you. He still loves you. And therefore we can, we can walk in, 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 in the bigness of God. And I think as we remember the bigness of God, it helps us fight the entitlement that, that may creep up. But yet there's still a confidence that we walk in knowing that he is our father. And I know one of the things that, that Pastor Rob uh, said in that video at the beginning, he said, when you get outside to, to, to look up, um, praise God, worship, get in a moment of, of worship. And I know when I, when I look up or when I see something amazing that God created, there's, there's something that happens when you just start to worship and you realize, wow, God, you deserve my praise. You deserve, you deserve, you deserve all that I have in me. And I think there's something that happens in our life when we get out that we just turn off the noise. I think God is, is speaking to us, but too often there's still too much noise. Too often while, while he's trying to talk to us, it's, it's kind of the, the illustration of when I moved to Minneapolis, but then went home. You don't even realize all the noise that is going on. You don't realize the light that is, that is kind of um, um, blocking out what he's created. But when you get back out and there's nothing between you and God, you can't help but worship. I think... As Romans 10 says, faith comes by hearing. And the only time that we can hear God is when we block out everything else that we've put around. When we get out into his creation and we get put everything else off to the side and say, God, I'm ready to hear from you. I'm ready to hear the word that you have for my life. So today, even as we, as we close, I want to I wanna, I wanna worship for just a moment. And I want to sing a song that we actually song, sang earlier in service. It's one of the songs that, that our team has written here uh, called A Million Lifetimes. And I just want to read the, the choruses to you. It says, A million lifetimes filled with worship still can't fathom your greatness. So I will live my life surrendered for you are worthy. A million angels ever praising still in awe of your greatness. So let your church rise up in worship for you are worthy, for you are worthy. It's not just about getting out. It's not just about seeing all that God has created and understanding how big it is. It's, it's what does it do to you inside of you when you start to, to realize how big God is. What should happen is, is 
we should live our life surrendered and then the church should rise up and worship. We should live our life surrendered. We should get to a point where we say, God, there is nothing that is too hard for me, for you. If you've created all of this, there is nothing that is too hard for you, no matter what situation I'm going through, no matter what's happening in my life, there is nothing that is too hard for you. Therefore, I'll live my life surrendered, knowing that, that you are in control. But even more than that, our church rises up in worship because he's worthy. It's not just that, that we have access to it, therefore we can walk in entitlement, but we get to walk in the plans and the promises that God has, praised, or has placed there for us. So I would even say this, what is, what is these, these pictures, what does all of this do in your life? You can either realize how big God is and, and by doing so, almost shrink back because there's so much that separates us. Or your faith can rise to the level of your God. I pray that as a church, our faith today rises to the level of our God. That our God who created all of this by his outstretched hand, there is nothing that is too difficult for him. Therefore, whatever situation you're going through, you can look at it and say, do you know who my dad is? Do you know the power and the strength, the promises that have been spoken over my life by my heavenly father who has created all of this? There is nothing that is too difficult for him. So today, as we, as we close, I want us to close in worship. I'm gonna pray over us. I'm gonna pray that our faith rises up and then we're gonna let our faith rise in worship today. So God, I thank you right now. I thank you for, for this amazing creation that we get to live in. I thank you for even modern technology that we can now see all that you have done. God, I pray right now that as we start to look out into this, this awesomeness, to all that you are, Lord God, that our faith rises to the level that you are. We don't shrink back and realize that we're a small speck in the midst of all of this, but Lord God, we realize that in the midst of it all, you are mindful of us. Lord God, you love us, you care for us, you know our every need, and you are powerful to do what only you can do. God, let our faith rise to meet your, the level of your size. In Jesus' name we pray today. Amen and amen.